right, let's chat. Let's let's figure it out. Hey. Let's solve let's solve Star Wars. Is All that right. what we're doing? We're back from our long hiatus and we're glad yeah, you've we're returned. Back. You've you've returned yeah, for coming back. to hearing us I hope you've after returned. all this time. It may just be an echo chamber, but that's fine. I enjoy chatting with Alan. Me too. With Alan. Yeah. Yeah, but... Wait, what? (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) You're supposed to say my name. No. So anyway, we just recently, after this long hiatus, we recently watched The Rise of Skywalker, the quote-unquote final Star Wars episode of the saga. Of the Skywalker saga. Of the Skywalker saga. Lucas originally planned on making a a nine-episode saga... Did he? Yeah, well, he said he did back in the... Yeah, that doesn't mean he did. Okay, fine. But when Empire Strikes Back was out, um, John Williams, on the liner notes of the soundtrack, said that he wanted to make a nine-part episode, a nine-part saga that was originally called Journal of the Wills. Okay. And so Empire Strikes Back was the first time a movie was released with the episode title... And it was titled Episode 5 because Star Wars A New Hope was not originally called Star Wars A New Hope. Yeah, it was just Star Wars. It was just Star Wars. And even that opening crawl is not the one you see on home video. Ooh, what do you see on home video? It did not say Episode 4 A New Hope. It just started with the opening lines of the crawl. So the titling of the numbering system, when everyone was expecting to see Star Wars 2 in theaters, they saw Episode 5 and they were all confused. And Lucas was like, no, I want to have a larger saga. And that was appropriate because that was also the movie that were revealed that uh, Vader is Luke's father and that there ought to be some sort of a backstory behind that. So that's where we got the idea of a multi-part saga being quote-unquote nine parts. But then Lucas said, no, I'm going to end it at Return of the Jedi. And then many, many years later, Disney bought it and said, yeah, we're going to just do that original nine-part saga uh, idea, and we're going to write an additional three episodes. So this is what we're left with: is these last three episodes, which we've already commented, I think, on Force Awakens. Uh, not so much Last Jedi, but uh, now it is time to talk about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Rise of Skywalker. Let's talk about it. Uh, like, okay. So initial thoughts: I think it was better than the reviews were leading me to believe I went to see it with my mother over the holidays uh you know and she she's not a big Star Wars fanny but she's it's such a big thing that she's aware of it so she's like I'll more or less know what's going on let's go see it and I'm like okay it was that or Frozen 2 and I'd seen Frozen 2 which was a delight so I hope she sees Frozen 2 but I'm like I'm not gonna see Frozen 2 again uh so we see Star Wars and it's not bad it's an enjoyable film, but, you know, afterwards when I had time to think about it and more to the point when you think about it in terms of the whole shebang, all nine, uh, it was a bit lacking. Okay. What were your thoughts? What were your first thoughts? So Rise of Skywalker, uh, I don't, I do not consider it a perfect movie. Uh, oh, no. However, however, my expectations were to see a very bad movie. Because Last Jedi established nothing, literally nothing. Every problem that they solved in The Last Jedi was created at the beginning of The Last Jedi. Nothing from Force Awakens was built upon. And then in Rise of Skywalker, they have to play catch-up. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it was set up from, for failure from the get-go. And the fact that I watched Rise of Skywalker and enjoyed myself and enjoyed many of the plot points was a testament to what Abrams was able to accomplish. I think he was set up for failure, and I think this movie did a good job with what he was given. Yeah, but I think he set himself up for failure because wasn't he putting, like, throwing, like, here are the keys, him and the and that Catherine something woman. I, I don't remember her last name, but, I mean, you know, they had the... Uh, okay, so, so Catherine Kennedy, you're right about... Catherine Kennedy is Catherine in charge Kennedy. of the, the whole Star Wars shebang. Yeah. 
of Lucasfilm. So right. you had Last Jedi, Jedi, which is frustrating, especially when you see Rise of Skywalker and everything they need to accomplish, and it seems so compact. It's like, we'll get into it, but the, that they just dump Palpatine on you from nowhere. It's like, where is this coming from? It's, it's, it's just a bunch of running to the finish, you know, yeah. it's rushing to the end. It's coming from and it's like, them not establishing anything in Rise of Skywalker, or Rise of uh, the, the Last Jedi. Last Jedi. In The yeah. Last Jedi, like, that would have been a perfect opportunity to introduce Palpatine, it would have been a perfect opportunity to reveal the relationship between um, Ray and Palpatine. But instead, during Last Sky, uh, excuse me, during the Last Jedi, they waste the viewers' time completely. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't build on any of the questions you had from Force Awakens because all Force Awakens, she wants to go to back to Jakku. Why does she want to go back to Jakku? Because she knows that her parents are going to come back there. And that's the only reason anyone want to go back to that backwater planet. Then yeah. in the next movie, in The Last Jedi, they're like, oh, well, your parents mean nothing. They, they were nothing. There's no reason to worry about them at all. And it's like, uh-huh. then you've just completely erased the motivation for that character. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? And it was just such a waste of time that any of the flaws, and there are flaws in Rise of Skywalker, but any of the flaws could have been solved had you established stuff in The Last Jedi. I I don't mind that Ray's parents came from nothing. It was kind of refreshing to see, well, not everyone has to be a Skywalker. What I do mind is that, I don't know, it seems like J.J. Abrams was like, like the Rian Johnson went to J.J. Abrams like, I'm going to try some different stuff. I hope that's cool. J.J. Abrams like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. We can fix it, if anything. And then it just backfired tremendously. And then J.J. Abrams like, oh, we have to retcon a lot of what you did. And it's like, no, man. Why did you let him do it then? I mean, I, I don't understand that. Why didn't you have a plan for the three movies? And why was one person able to go in there? And, you know, they may, you know, because they're creative and they're like, I have some different ideas and I want to try something different. And that's fine. But, you know, I'm looking at the Marvel Universe and that's a different thing, of course. It's a bigger monster. But Star Wars is pretty big, too. And you would think that they would have had, like, this is what we're going to do. We can be creative with, you know, some of the elements, how we get to these beats. But we're getting to these beats. And like Ant. Man, they got rid of Edgar Wright because he was going to do something that was going to veer off what they needed. And they, you know, it's a you're a great guy, you wrote a great script, but it's going to veer off what we need. And maybe they should have done that with Ryan Johnson if he was going to throw such a wrench that they had to retcon a bunch of stuff. You're right. <laughs> In hindsight, they should never have approved the script for the Last Jedi. Yeah, there's there's no argument here. Because, like I've said from the beginning, before I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was like, I could skip The Last Jedi. I know this because it established nothing. If if Luke didn't train Rey, then I don't need to see any of his interactions with Rey. If um, we don't know about any sort of ability that the um, First Order can track people through light speed using this special device, then there's no reason to see them disabling it. All that stuff is just a complete waste of time. We don't need to go to the casino planet. We don't need to introduce Rose. We don't need to introduce Admiral Haldo. None of that stuff. So there is absolutely no reason for it. So, again, I am in agreement with The Last Jedi being a complete waste of time. The the unfortunate thing is, yes, the, the Rise of Skywalker suffers as a result. You needed to establish many of the things in this movie amongst two movies. But for whatever reason, they were like, look, we're married to this idea of this being a three-part story. And they wrote off on this idea of the second of three parts establishing nothing, not letting anyone's character evolve, not letting the story evolve, the stakes evolve, nothing. Yeah. And I I, know. I don't know why. I could not explain why that happened. I know that um, Abrams read the script. Abrams said he was jealous that he didn't get to direct Last Jedi before it was released. I was like, that's interesting, because now that we're watching Rise of Skywalker, it seems like he didn't like Last Jedi whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, well, there have been some great bits online about how he likes to come to fan service. Like, maybe he liked it, but clearly the fans were torn about it, so they just... 
placated the fans way too much. I mean, but I don't know how that how that series ends then. Like, was it always the plan to bring back Palpatine? How would that have ended with Last Jedi? How does that work with Last Jedi the way it is to bring back Palpatine? If we say that Ray's parents don't matter and he's just like, I, I mean, he doesn't, Bray doesn't have to be related to Palpatine for this to work, right? You know, just you're powerful. You're a powerful Jedi, maybe because all the Jedi are dead, so you're like a super Jedi or whatever, and that's just the Force trying to get back on track with the only one or two Jedis around, and Luke shut off the Jedi Force from himself, so you're like the one, you you like that movie, The One, Jet Li, Mm -hmm. where, like, he kills off his multiverse counterparts, so he's the only one. So the more, you get more powerful, the more counterparts from other universes of yourself you kill. Mm-hmm. Maybe like Ray is like the super strong Jedi or Palpatine just realizes it's Kylo or Ray and Kylo clearly is going to do his own thing that's like in the middle of the road. Uh, so Ray, I will try to sway Ray. But it's like Ray's not a bad character, so how do you sway her? Oh, she has to be related so the darkness is within her. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a cheat. You know, maybe we should have started with Ray being kind of like a criminal type character from Go, like uh, the Rogue One woman. You know, Mm. how she was like, she, the way she was raised, she became kind of a criminal because she was on her own to fend for herself, raised by a good terrorist, but like a terrorist, uh, you know. So, so maybe we do the same thing with Ray, where she's kind of drawn to the dark side because Ray seems very nice. Yeah, it's like I can't see Ray going to the dark side. It seems like the dark side just pulls whoever for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and it's like make Ray a little darker so that it is a hard choice. She may be seduced by the dark side for that power, not necessarily to rule the universe, but just to go dark. You know, yeah, and that would have made more sense because that's where they were leading her. But they're like, "Oh, it's because she's Palpatine's kid. That's why." Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I'm fine with her starting off as a as a pure character. I really loved the fact that Luke's original story arc in the original trilogy started him off as this young, optimistic kid. And they drive him down this road where you naturally understand why this guy wants to kill Darth Vader. Yeah. And he has that final moment where he's about to and resistance the temptation of the quote unquote devil jiding him to do so. And as the audience, you you can relate. You can understand why he would want to kill Vader in that instance. But you understand that if you're choosing between good and evil... The pacifistic pro- approach is the good choice. Uh, yeah. Whereas Ray didn't quite have that story arc. Again, wasted opportunity in episode um, eight to develop that, to lead her down yeah. this road of temptation. Like, what is tempting yeah. Ray at that point? Well, nothing really. Honestly, she's, yeah. she's pure hearted from beginning, middle, yeah. and end. Yes, yeah. you do have that moment where she's angry about Kylo pulling away the um, the shuttle with Chewbacca and yada, 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 yeah. force lightning. And and uh, then you have a fake-out death, which is like, it's way too many fake-outs in this movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chewbacca didn't really die. But it, it would have been a moment of, look, here are the downsides to you losing your temper, Ray. And uh, we really don't get that to pay off because there are no consequences as a result there. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately, Kylo isn't so much redeemed by Rey as he is by his parents. Yeah. Which also makes sense. I mean, as a viewer, the most emotional thing that happens is the killing of Han Solo. And if yeah. you're going to redeem that character, it should be through Han Solo. I thought that was probably my favorite scene in the entire trilogy was the scene with Han I... Solo and Kylo. Oh, the ghost Han Solo? Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish Han Solo was a little more Han Solo-like in that scene. He was very fatherly, and I kind of wish he, you know, like, this dude did kill him, and I know he loves him, and he's like, you're coming back, and I'm a ghost, but I wish, you know, like, I should knock you on your ass no. for stabbing me like that. No, I think it would have been fun. But Han Solo had that character arc, too, in the original trilogy. You saw beginning, middle, and end. By the end of, you know, Return of the Jedi, he's ready to settle down with one woman, and, yeah. you know, he's clearly comfortable in the rebellion whereas before he was all about himself and Chewbacca and that was it and making money 
And that was all so, he was about. So he had that character arc. The fact that he becomes a father, I think that's exactly the, the direction you go. And again, a, a child killed his father, which we did not see at the end of Return of the Jedi. So yeah. he did do that at the beginning of this trilogy. And the father comes back with loving fatherly, you know, interactions with his son. And I, I thought that was that was a good way to go with that. It was the opposite of fighting fire with fire. It's what Luke Skywalker did. I'm not going to kill my father. I'm going to rescind on my violent tendencies. Yeah. So. All right. So I, I'd like to do two things before we're done today. I'd like to go review. I'd like to go character by character real quick and just like our pros and cons. Uh, of their stories overall. And I'd also like to talk about the First Order and how well put together this organization is based on the remnants of a defeated empire. Right. And as well as the fleet of destroyers that were built mysteriously on this hidden planet, you know, manned by whoever... I don't even know how that works. This, the, I mean, but it starts with the First Order. It's like, how is the First Order... I, I, I kind of wish, and I feel like it would be more truthful if the First Order, and it would be, you know, speaking to the modern day, if the First Order were more guerrilla and more terroristy. You know, they weren't like, oh, we have ships and we have uniforms and we're all put together. It's like, well, how did the New Republic allow that to happen unless the First Order was like a sanctioned alternate state? You know what I mean? There's the New Republic, but there's some planets that decided we kind of like the Empire. So there's the First Order. That's that other state, that other space country that exists that's not part of the New Republic. Because otherwise, they're just too well put together. It's like, how was that allowed to happen? There was no explanation for it. You're right. Um so and that that's why I got really angry when Ryan Johnson was scoffing at people for saying, "Hey, we wanted to learn more about Snoke. What was the deal with Snoke?" He's like, "Well, you didn't need to know anything about the Emperor." Ha ha ha. And it's like, "No, no, no. You're taking over after a six-part saga ended and you're saying, "Oh, by the way, just because we defeated the Empire doesn't mean anything cuz now we've got a new empire and a new emperor and let's go." It's like, "No. Yeah. They they won." So you can't just come here out of nowhere with all this space Navy, all these forces and, and being a, such an overwhelming force that yeah. the people in charge, the Republic, have to call themselves the resistance. You're in charge. You're not the resistance. That's like if the Empire had a resistance to the rebellion. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. So absolutely. I thought that there was... Not only this, but people in the movie must have known the answers to this questions. Yeah. Right? They, they have no problem calling someone the resistance. They have no problem calling someone else the first order. They know that this is a war going on. So they, as characters, know the story that the audience was never privy to. Exactly. And the first order was like, we're, uh, we don't like that the New Republic allows the resistance to exist. It's like, how are you allowed to exist? How are you allowed to exist? Like, how how is this okay? Like, are you, you know, is it is it like the, you know, the prequel trilogy 2.0 where it's the sneaky Hydra thing? Where we're like, oh yeah, we're just this faction and we just want to help you with peace by making more order, but secretly we're the bad guys, you know? Yeah. It's, I would have preferred that. Like, if there was like a, like inside the New Republic was this faction, this secret faction, mm -hmm. you know, that was gaining resources. Like we have this ship and this ship and this commander and this commander. And when you say the word, we'll split off, you know, because we never got rid of all these soldiers. We just reincorporated them into the New Republic. What could we do? It's like the, you know, the Civil War, the North and the South. And you couldn't just get rid of the South. But, you know, some people had to keep working. Yeah, so, and this is what I thought they should have done from the get-go, was because the Death Star was uh, a product of the Cold War, right? The Doomsday Machine, we saw it in Star mm -hmm. Trek. The Death Star is their equivalent of the Doomsday Machine. But basically, there was this yep. looming fear in the 70s when Star Wars first came out that there was going to be 
a nuclear war and there was a machine, a missile that could just blow up the whole world. It was that powerful. Yeah. And it would kill both sides all involved. And so the Death Star represented the Cold War and the abilities of the Cold War. So flash forward to today where the Cold War is much less of a looming threat but what we do have in modern day is propaganda. We have social media. We have people that you might not actually expect to turn allegiances, turning allegiances, and and saying and doing things that are a little bit out of what you thought was within their character. Yeah. And if you build on that as the ultimate threat rather than, oh, there's another planet-killing weapon like every freaking movie in this yep. thing, then I think that would have hit closer to home like the Death Star did 40 years ago, and now you've got a different threat that isn't copying the uh, the previous movies. And yes, you could argue the prequels kind of touched on that, but they really didn't to the extent that you could mirror um, today's social media. Like, why not during broadcasts and whatever? Like, you see people, you know, to some extent becoming mind zombies, like getting mind-controlled or, like... At a moment's notice, you might have a rebel, uh, a resistance fighter pilot, just turning on his his commanders because he he's under the the influence. Yeah, and that would have been a more interesting threat than just shoehorning yet another Death Star into all these movies, like he did at the end of yeah. uh, Rise of Skywalker. It's like everyone's got a Death Star cannon. It's like we've seen yeah. this. No, I'm not scared of that. Something else. Or, you know- Honestly, I, I also would have taken if they worked towards that. Like the planet thing was ridiculous. How do they secretly make a planet death, you know, star killer? That's ridiculous. Mm. That can't happen. But I would have liked, like, if the arc was like leading to, oh, we found a way to miniaturize the Death Star technology and put it on a secret fleet of not as many as there were, but like, set, you know, like a, a, a smaller fleet, a more reasonable fleet, but like. And and the idea through the three movies was to keep this information away from the First Order, but eventually they get it by the end of the second movie or whatever, and there you go. And that might be part of it instead of, like, a planet that blows up stars and planets. Yeah, uh, and for whatever reason, they wanted to mimic that original Star Wars script, and the original Star Wars script, there was no guarantee that there would be a sequel, whereas this, there were guaranteed two sequels. So yeah. if you are going to introduce Starkiller base in The Force Awakens, don't blow it up. Make it yeah. that much more difficult to blow up. And it's like, oh, we tried and failed or, or whatever. But it's like, dude, there's no way. No, we can't do a Death Star trench run on this. It's a freaking planet. Can't do it. Yeah. So if you have that as a threat for all three movies, then you, like you say, you worked up until that final third movie and then you blow it up. Or the other option is what you're saying is like you don't introduce a planet killing device until your final chapter yeah i just i'm just trying to think like you know these things uh, you know give credit to the writers these things aren't easy to write they're not easy stories to break it's like i'm wondering how to go about this though because it just seems like the universe it just you know we won but we didn't win clearly but the bad guys were so put together that they had like a decent army from jump to the point where the New Republic's army was not present at all. Presumably the New Republic has an army, but they're just not present and they're so ineffectual that there is a resistance on top of that. I would have liked to have seen more friction between the New Republic and the resistance. Like the resistance, like thinking like, you know, the, you know, Maybe the First Order is like Voldemort, where we don't know that it even exists. And it's just the Resistance that's saying, they're out there. And the New Republic's like, you guys are crazy. We won. You know, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I think the, the more, the, the, the more uh, rational explanation is you have this huge fleet that was under the New Republic. And then half that fleet breaks off. Yeah. Because they agree with the ideals of the emperor and then you know maybe snoke is the one that's perpetuating it between the episodes seven and eight and then finally nine you can say that it was the emperor the whole time yeah i mean i have no problem with the emperor being the big bad a lot of people had a problem with that i thought look if this is a nine-part saga you got to end it with the same way you started it and darth sidious started off episode one it was all his deal 
So if you're going to end the saga, it's got to end with Darth Sidious as well, in my opinion. And I kind of wish he was more mechanical, though. I mean, I know he was on that big crane and everything, but I kind of wish he had like a, a General Grievous body or a, mm. a, you know Darth Vader body. Kind of explain like my brain's still alive, right? Or something. I don't know. And I would have liked to have seen like his rescue. I don't know if they're suggesting that he's. I don't know what they're suggesting with him, honestly. I would have liked to have yeah. seen, like, some stormtrooper, the the guy who killed Huxley, you know, or whoever. That guy, like, I dragged his body out mm, why, as why a stormtrooper. Why so loyal, yeah. Yeah. You know, I found him. I dragged him out. He shared some of the dark side with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he taught me some things. Right. I'm really loyal to him. Maybe he's swaying. You know, maybe he's controlling me a little bit. Mind control. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he need that. But, you know, like, I rescued him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm super loyal to I. I mean, because, like, other than Kylo Ren, and he was like a... I don't know. As far as a villain goes, it's like, this guy's probably going to go good, right? So who's the real villain here? And we kept having our villains drop away until we have this last guy, a great actor, but it's like, you just showed up to the party, dude. Mm-hmm. You're not like the big bad. Mm-hmm. And then we have Palpatine just show up out of nowhere. Hey, I'm here. It's like, dude, you graduated years ago. What are you doing back at this party? This is for the current high school. Right. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. And in, I think in my own headcanon, I just kind of, fell back on what I had read in the comic books back in the 90s. Like, the Dark Empire series had a storyline where the ghost of the Emperor was occupying old clones of himself, and the dark side would rapidly age whatever clone he, body he would possess. And That works. That, that works. And that's, that's what I fell back on, just because I had read those comic books. Now, of course, it's unfair to you if you haven't read the comic... To, to yeah. even know that, but that's what I wound up falling back on and I had no problem with it. Also, the I've, I've seen a couple of theories online, or at least explanations from people who were behind the movie, saying that um, Snoke was actually a clone of Darth Plagueis, which was mentioned back in Episode 3. I yeah. thought Snoke was simply a failed clone of Palpatine, and he's like, oh, well, that one got screwed up. I'll just make him a Snoke, and then I'll make Snoke do whatever I want him to do. Which, which I also had no problem with. Fine, they're, they're Palpatine clones, and Snoke is, is a failed clone of Palpatine. And that explained why he hated both uh, Luke Skywalker and the grandson of Vader, because he hates Vader for killing him. Yeah. But uh, in any case, that's, that's how I wrote it in my mind. But yeah, it's not explicit in the movie. Um, partially because they don't have time, but also partially they, they waste some time in this movie, too. Yeah, they're going on all these side quests, and it's like you can get to the point too. Like you don't have to waste time with action breaks. Like we kind of have a lot of uh, stuff to establish here. We need to get the sword to get the Mm. wave runner to get to the thing, and it's like, oh, the sword that was designed after the Death Star crashed. Okay, yeah. All right, and that horrible environment where the water's super choppy, I think because of the Death Star and the gravity probably. Possibly. It's probably affecting the gravity. That's why you got crazy tides going on. I guess there are multiple um, moons of Yavin that support life because that ocean was not on the moon of Endor. That, not moon, not moon of Yavin, oh, moon it's of Endor. forest moon. So. Yeah, so the forest moon of Endor is where we saw the Ewoks and stuff, but we have beaches and stuff on this other moon of Endor. So I guess you have multiple moons of Endor. Yeah. Oh, well. Let's, uh, let's just go through the characters. All right. You, you start. Quick. Let's, let's talk. Okay. So let's start with Ray, our hero, Ray. I, I, you know, I found, I think, you know, great actress, great work with the stuff she was given. I mean, I do feel like ultimately, like, I, I, I kind of like the idea that she's just a normal person. I was a little thrown off by the whole, I'm going to wait here for my parents. I mean, it's like, I guess, but you're like a grown-ass person now. What are you talking about? I'm going to go back for my parents to come. You're like, at the least, in your, if you're not early to mid-20s, you're in your late twe- teens, you know, so, but you're like, you're, a, you're an adult, you're an adult. You can rent a car. What are we talking about waiting for our parents now? That's ridiculous. Let's give her something else. I mean, it seems very clear. I've been on this. I've been a scavenger on this sandish planet. Oh, you give me an opportunity for adventure? I'll take it. That looks great. Oh, I may have force powers? Great. I want to learn more about that. I want to be more than I am. Um, and ultimately, she becomes like the best Jedi, which is fine. 
uh, but it's just like it was a weird journey to get there. I didn't care for the your, I'm Palpatine's daughter, the way it was delivered. I would have preferred that to be the idea from Jump, and it wasn't. And I don't like that they shoehorned it in at the very end. All to, all, overall, though, I like the character. I enjoy it. I think she did a great job. And great chemistry with Kylo Ren. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, nothing against Daisy Ridley. I don't think it is the, the actress's fault at all as far as nope. the actual uh, writing was concerned. But yeah, the writing was quite flawed. Um, we Look, they, in The Force Awakens, she's essentially a Star Wars fan. She's like, oh, you're Luke Skywalker? Oh my God, yeah. you're Han Solo. This is the Millennium Falcon. It's like, how does someone on a random desert, unless she's got the DVDs at home, how does she know all this stuff? From this? She didn't get raised by her parents because they took off when she was like six, so they didn't teach her about it. So someone's giving her this information that everyone who watches Star Wars knows about. It's like in the literature of the time, folklore and stories. Yeah. I mean, I did have a problem with her being able to move stuff with her mind without any sort of training. Like at least yeah. Luke um, had a little bit of training. He had to put on the helmet and he had to, you know, see stuff through the force. And he was able to use the force to blow up the Death Star so he did all that stuff before he ever moved his lightsaber out of the snow. Ray is just like, oh, no, my friend's in trouble. Yoink. Look at this. I'm going to go toe to toe with this not Sith Lord. I guess he's a Ren Lord. I don't even know what that means. Why do well, we- it could also be that women are just like they, they just mature at it better, faster, quicker. OK, but that was never established either. I mean, we had That's women fair. on the Jedi Council. We had women Jedi Masters and Jedi Knights. There was never any mention of that either in the prequels. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's impossible, but, I mean, establish yeah. it. You had plenty of time to establish that as well. Yeah. But anyway, so fine. She she blows through her training. There's no necessary training through Luke. I mean, like, he barely teaches her anything whatsoever. And then she's moving, you know, all these boulders in the end of The Last Jedi. And then come uh, Force Awaken, or yeah not Force Awakens, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, that she actually did receive some training between movies via Leia Solo. Or, or Leia yeah, Organa. real big real big BS on that. That's like, no, 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 no. You're not just going to drop now in the third movie that Leia was trained by Luke at some point when they were both younger. Well, why, that's, why do you, that's why do you, ridiculous. So why do you have a problem? Because I actually didn't have a problem with that. What What is your problem? I don't like that. No one brought it up until now. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, Luke trained me. Didn't I tell you Luke trained me? Luke trained me. It's like, no, no, he didn't. Come on. <laughs> but why do you? When? When did he train you? Why are you just saying that now? It seems it seems convenient to the plot now that, that you were trained. It seems like a, in service of the plot because you really don't... I mean, you know, she can sense things, sure, but that doesn't necessarily require training for her just to sense, like, oh, a relative of mine. Because she could sense Luke when they were, like, younger, when they were in their 20s, like that Luke's in trouble. So that's not new, and that doesn't require her to be trained for her to feel when her loved ones are in peril or die. So uh, it just seemed odd that, it's, like, uh, I would have preferred her to conduct herself as if she were a Jedi, a trained Jedi from Jump. Like, just show us, like, pick, just pick up something with your mind. Just show us that you've been trained, that you're, you, you have that level now. I, I mean, I hear that they, she didn't explicitly demonstrate it. She's doing a more traditional role of general when she's introduced in The Force Awakens. But Luke and Leia have a conversation on Endor about her having this power. She says she could never dream of having this power. And he's like, no, 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 you have that power. And he's saying that if, if things don't work out, that she's got to continue the fight. So it, it makes absolute sense that Luke would train Leia. Of course he's going to train Leia. If she's got the potential to be as powerful as he is and as potentially powerful as Darth Vader, then there's no reason why he would not train her in an attempt to have a couple of Jedi leading this new Republic into the future. So I had no problem with that at all. Um, okay. But yeah, she didn't say, hey, look what I can do. I can move stuff across the room. Um, but then we see, of course, in The Last Jedi that she can move herself. She can survive the vacuum of space. 
yeah. yada yada. So, I mean, you would assume that that comes with some training as well. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make, it, it's a, it would be a completely lost opportunity for Luke not to train Leia ever. Yeah. No, I know it would, but and again, it's just wouldn't like. wouldn't she, if she's going to um, trust her son's training with her brother, the fact that he trained her would give him even more credence to training her son. He's wow. He was a good treat. He was a good teacher. He trained me. Sure. He can train my son. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on to Finn. All right. Finn. Uh, what, you know, Finn started as like, what's going on? No, no, no. Go ahead and say your piece. I I, I was going to comment later. Oh, Okay, well, Finn, you know, he started as a stormtrooper turned, I don't want to be a stormtrooper anymore, but kind of like a coward, like, I just want to get to safety, and then he decides, because he cares about Rey, uh, and I guess he's inspired by the resistance as well, he decides to stick around to be a resistance fighter, and eventually almost sacrifices himself until Rose pushes him out of the way for some strange reason uh, because of love. And uh, then at the very end, what happens to Finn? How, what's his arc? We don't even get a secret, which was either I love you, Ray, or I think I'm for sensitive Ray. Uh, it's brought up, but it's never mentioned again, so why bring it up in the first place? He kind of has it out with Phasma, but not really. That was a wasted character, and I hate that for the actress and for the character. It's like, I feel like Phasma should have been a stronger role, and and, I don't know. I think Finn was short-served by these three movies, ultimately. I don't think we saw enough of Finn. Yeah, the idea of a Stormtrooper turning coat is a, is a big deal and it was completely glossed over pretty much halfway through force awakens. Like we really barely addressed it. Uh, sure. Some people on his old brigade called him traitor and this and that, but outside of that, what, what did you glean from it? He never explained why he, why was he a part of the first order in the first place? And now he's not a part of the first order. So why is that the case? Um, yeah, we saw the moment when he's just like, whoa, we're killing people. That's not right. It's like, yeah, no one else has a problem with it. So why do you? Yeah. And anyway, like, how did he serve? It turns out others did have a problem with it. Right. We get introduced that in Rise of Skywalker, this other character. Um, she, she, and, and here's the thing I heard on Kevin Smith's podcast. If they just put this line in that said, yeah, we heard about you. We turned because of you. That would have given much more weight. Oh, that would have been great. To Finn's turning of his allegiances and the fact that, hey, you know what? You don't have to do this. And other people realizing, oh, I do have a choice, don't I? And them turning coat. And yeah, again, this movie could have been all about propaganda and people choosing one side or the other and turning sides for whatever reason. And it so feeds into our divided culture that we have in this country. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, I don't, I think Hollywood's afraid to delve too deep into it because they're so on one side that it's hard for them to justify playing on both sides. When in reality, being divisive is something that both sides have a problem with. Both the right yeah. and the left have a problem with the divisive nature and those on the opposite side, you know, quote unquote, being the enemy. So, yeah, I think that it is a missed opportunity to not play that up more. And I also think it would have been cool to somehow integrate that into, like, that fleet that shows up at the end. Like, hey, is there a network of stormtroopers that have turned coat? Maybe you can tap into that and uh, they can, like, like, we can use some of them. Maybe there's some that are still on the inside that we can use to kind of fight the First Order at the end or help us with this fleet. Yeah. If we have more of you out there, they're like, I used to be a stormtrooper. I left that life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll help fight uh, this. For, if, if what you're saying is true about these Star Destroyers, each with their own mini Death Star, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'll come, I'll come out of retirement to, right. to, uh, to fight. You know? yeah. yeah, and again... Uh, these, yeah, Kevin Smith's right. That would have been great. These, these final moments, like you said, with all those starships appearing out of nowhere, it felt good within the context of this movie, but it would have felt better if yeah. we set up oh, maybe there's some people who are on the fence here. 
Maybe someone, someone's yeah. riding the fence and they don't know which way to go. And then finally, yeah. oh, everyone's just like, uh-uh, we're not letting the emperor take over again. This isn't happening. Yeah, or maybe the thing like, we're not going to help you because we don't believe you. What you're saying is preposterous. There's no way there's like a fleet of destroyers, little Death Stars. Like maybe they find that out before. That this is like what's suspected, but no one believes it. And then they bring that proof. They like provide this evidence to whoever. And like, look, look, see, they're they're just there's a fleet and they will take over the galaxy in ways that you cannot imagine unless you help us right now. It's like, oh, well, now we're going to help. The proof got to us. Thank you. Rose Mm -hmm. got us the proof. Finn got us the proof. Mm -hmm. Uh, Poe got us the proof. Whoever. Yeah. Uh, Poe Dameron. Yes. Which probably more than any other movie, Rise of Skywalker developed his character. Yeah. You know, we find out his girlfriend, what he used to do. He was a spice runner, like all this stuff. We barely get to know him in Force Awakens. We know even less about him in Last Jedi. He has some sort of made up problem with authority that we never learned about in Force Awakens. And then that gets solved within Last Jedi as well. And I was like, Again, waste of time. You're not developing a character if you introduce a problem and then solve it at the end of the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I, I liked that we got some backstory during Rise of Skywalker for him. Yeah. Well, he's a spice smuggler or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's so interesting. How'd you go from spice smuggling to being a... uh, I would have preferred to him be like a clean-cut, like a goody-two-shoe soldier... And that would have made like, oh, yeah, I actually come from like a criminal past. But when the whatever, when the first order did blank, that's when I changed my ways. Like I did a 180 and I'm like down with the cause 100 percent. Right. Which would have which would have which would have made the movie makers have to explain where the hell the first order came from. And we know they didn't do that. Nope. Uh, Kylo Ren. Yeah. Okay, you start. Uh, you know what? I'm like, like, if you're looking at the pile that is these last three movies, and there's a lot of great stuff in them, but I think the Kylo Ren thing is just one of the strongest pieces of this trilogy. Uh, you know, it's one of the things where you can honestly say, I don't know if someone else had this role, if it would have been as good. Uh, Adam Driver just, just got it done. He killed it with this character. To where it's like, even though the end was kind of like, well, wait, he's just going to turn good. We all think he's going to turn good, and he does turn good, and it's like, okay. And there's still question marks. It's like, well, he did, he's still a massacre of people. He is still a murderer, so what is his happy ending? Does he, does he, you know, he doesn't join the resistance. He has to die or go away or something, or maybe he and Ray go away. Who knows? I didn't mind that they kissed. Like, it could have been either we're buddies and no one else understands the pressures that we face, so we have that human connection that's plutonic, or, yeah, we're kind of into each other. We're, you know, we're two young people, uh, and we're both attractive, and we both also face these pressures that no one can understand. But, um, I mean, I, I liked it, and I also liked, and I wish they explored more, the idea of I'm going to do my own thing, because it seemed like, no, you're just being the First Order still. You didn't, like, you didn't, you're not a chaos agent for both, you're just doing the same thing, but that's the First Order. I mean, why didn't you, like, decommission something, or like, okay, we're going to reorganize entirely, and maybe it's like, we're going to do our own thing, leave us alone, we'll leave the New Republic alone, we'll leave the Resistance alone, you leave us alone. Uh, and we're just going to take this part of the galaxy. I don't know. I don't know what his motivations were near the end, other than I want to be in charge. And that seems pretty immature for someone who showed, like, yes, immaturity, and he's quick to anger, but he also has shown maturity as well. You know, so it's weird. I'm conflicted with that character. As a Star Wars fan watching this, um, we get introduced to this idea that he nearly kills Luke Skywalker. He kills Luke Skywalker's apprentices, and he, he's except for the Knights of Ren, right? And which, we get no again, payoff on no that. No payoff on that. We don't know who the Knights of Ren. Why does he call himself Kylo Ren? What What is the history? What are the Ren versus the Sith? Are there different rules? We don't get any of that. Um, of course, he wears this metal mask, um, which 
you know, really just because he wants to be like Darth Vader. And so now I'm constantly comparing him to Darth Vader. And yeah, yeah, Darth Vader did not lose his temper all the time. Darth Vader was at his best when he was calm and cool and still did mean things. He was like he was like a blend between Darth Vader and Anakin. Yeah, to to, to many, many extents. Yes, that is accurate. But um, again, so he he does all this stuff with Luke Skywalker, the Knights of Ren, and then he kills Han Solo before your very eyes. You're like, oh, yeah, I really don't like yeah. this guy. So yeah. he's an absolute vile person and I can't stand him. And again, he did all these things and we really don't get a good explanation of why. We know he'll kneel before Snoke and yeah. and we're assuming that Snoke is the motivating factor for why he would kill his own father, why he would kill his uncle or try to kill his uncle. But we really, the, the only justification we're getting is Luke had a premonition and so he had to put him down like a dog and then Luke hesitated and didn't put him down like a dog and then Kylo now resents him and all that he stands for so he murders a whole bunch of people and joins Snoke. I don't get the yeah. timeline on that. Does Snoke influence him before Luke pulled out his lightsaber or after? I don't know. Well, now it's not even Snoke, it's Palpatine and I would have liked, I, I think it may have helped his character and possibly given the idea that maybe he could stick around if it was like Palpatine that kind of pushed him into doing all the evil he did. That's why you're conflicted because I am influencing you. I am almost kind of like a little bit of mind control on you to make you do these bad things. Yeah, and I think if you would have been more explicit in that, I think it's, it's more obvious to me as to what's going down. Because before that, I just assume, okay, Snoke is the one pulling all the strings. So, okay, Palpatine's pulling the strings of Snoke, Snoke's pulling the strings of Kylo. It does make some sense to some extent, but still Kylo's upset because he's not the one in control now again. Yeah. And he's he always seems like second best to me. Right? Yeah. He's, he's got to kneel before Snoke. Well, I killed Snoke, so now I don't have to kneel before anybody. And it just seems like he's constantly immature. He's he's yeah. he's yelling at the guy on the on the bridge of the uh, Adat or whatever, and he's like, "Fire! Use every weapon! Aim every weapon at that man! Shoot! Blow him up! Blow up Luke Skywalker!" And uh, doesn't yeah. work. Yes, sir. And then he still has to fight him, and we know how that winds up. But um, yeah, I liked his turn because they turned him via Han Solo and via the love of Leia. I liked that aspect of it because as a moviegoer, as a fan of Star Wars, his biggest crime was killing off my favorite characters from the old trilogy. So if mm. anyone's going to redeem him, it has to be characters from the old trilogy. Yeah. And now I'm back on board. Nothing with yeah. Ray is going to redeem him if he's going to kill my childhood hero. It's just not going to yeah. work for me. All right. Uh, I have to get out of here soon, so let's just get any final thoughts. Um, well, I, um, I think we covered most of it. I like the idea of Ray being a Palpatine. I think it's kind of cool. The name, Ray Palpatine. She is a light in the dark. I think that's a, a nice name. Ooh. And uh, no one's really touched upon that. But uh, that's, that's what that name means, Ray Palpatine. And uh, yeah, so... Her, her name winds up, she turns to an adaptive name of Rey Skywalker, which is, like you know, yeah. a ray of sunshine, a ray in the sky, one who walks in the sky. That also works, but there's no contrast. I think Ray Palpatine is a nice contrast. Well, she's solo. She should have been Ray Solo because she has no people, you see. Sure. So she has no people, <laughs> so she should be solo. Uh-huh. Uh, my final thoughts, I think there's a lot of, there was a lot of good stuff, but, uh, the, the recipe had some great ingredients, but they were prepared, uh, not great. So there's some good elements. There's some bad elements. I think there's a better, maybe super cut of this movie. I don't know. That's just a bunch of the best stuff together. I mean, there were, you know, it was nice to see, but I feel like th I feel like this is a first draft. Okay, got the first draft, great. Mm -hmm. Now let's let's iron it out and do it right, guys. Let's let's do well, it better. Well, we're seeing hope with uh, Mandalorian, and I think yeah. they've kind of cracked the code. They're like, hey, let's not just try to recreate Star Wars. Let's recreate the inspiration of Star Wars, and that's what they're doing. They've got a Western going. 
Um, and they're just going to the roots. Let's make it influenced by Japanese culture and Westerns and, and stuff and go that route. So I think that's a good and idea. And also smaller, smaller character-driven stories. Yes. And we're exploring that universe. You know, when they go to that space jail, that's like neat. Yeah. That's neat. We're mm-hmm. just going to hit the space jail, everybody. Right. You know, like, just, I, I like the, and you know what? I, I, I keep going back to Rogue One and I'm like, I, I, you know, that was a decent flick. I like it. It's just, it's in the thick of it. It's like, it's not the big story. It's just one of those smaller stories that also happened that we weren't privy to. And we get to see it. And I'd love to see more of that. I think there's a lot of anthology series type material that can be farmed out of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a lot. Now we're talking about a long period of time. We're talking about like what? Not even 40 years. What? Like, like 60, 70 years yeah. of time mm-hmm. from baby Anakin to Rise of Skywalker. Right. Like how long are we talking yeah, there? So essentially um, the prequels of episode one takes place in the 1950s if it were filmed chronologically. And then 20 years later, well, actually 20 years after Revenge of the Sith, right? So Revenge of the Sith must happen in the 1950s, I guess. Because then in 1977, you have the birth of Luke Skywalker and Leia as, well, in 1977, they're uh, old teenagers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. So basically 20 years before. So basically 1957 is when Revenge of the Sith takes place. Yep. Yeah. So. So I'd like, you know, I'm not tired of Star Wars yet, but I'm certainly like this is done. And for better or worse, I think, you know, it could have ended a little stronger, but it is what it is. And again, like I left the theater. I'm like, this wasn't as bad as I was told it was going to be. But it wasn't great. And there's some stuff that's just straight up stupid, ridiculous. Like, I don't know who those guys are in the room with Palpatine. I'm going to pretend they're not there because (laughs) what is that? Yeah, they don't explain What is that, honestly? Yeah, it's like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I just, I wish there was a stronger villain, like a, a, a second, like a real villain to Kylo, like like a Palpatine to the Darth Vader. To Kylo's Darth Vader, I wish there was a Palpatine that wasn't Palpatine, that was someone that was constant throughout. Like, mm. I don't know. I just don't like the way, whatever. There you go. Huh. That's it. All right. We could keep going with this. Okay. Onwards and on. There will be, there's, there's so many other podcasts and YouTube videos about it. Mm-hmm. Check them out, too. Mm-hmm. But thanks for listening. Thank you for coming back um, to the cl- Cluster Fudge. Cluster Fudge. <laughs>